0: Welcome!
1: Earth's along with me! Oh, no! Oh my god, I shot my eye out! These go to eleven. Reading Starfighter. Hasta vista, baby. fourteen.
0: Hello everybody, and welcome to 40 going on fourteen. I am Mike.
2: I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and this week we're talking about Elvis, the man without whom the life-size painting of myself on velvet would be kind of weird. No, trust is me, that, it's still weird.
0: Is that the one with you with the tigers or the ones with you and the Dalmatians?
2: Uh the Dalmatians is still bigger than life size. Oh, nice. That's
3: uh, the one where he has a jumpsuit on.
2: The jumpsuit made of Dalmatians.
3: Exactly. Cruella Devil. Cruella Devil.
1: Oh, he
0: didn't skin the Dalmatians. They're live. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's just wearing them. Yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> You've never worn a Dalmatian? All right. So this is the Elvis biopic show, uh, because then and now for Elvis would be kind of ridiculous. But um, we are going over the 1979 Elvis pick with uh, Kurt Russell and putting it up against the 2022 Elvis that just came out in the theaters with um, Baz Luhrmann as director and Austin Butler as Elvis Presley.
2: Yeah, oh, both, of these, both of these films had the same thing in common. It's like, I don't think I'm interested in seeing that. Oh, who directed it? Right.
0: <laughs> we got some trivia, some cool stuff, a uh, lot of neat little information about these movies that we're going to go on. Uh, also, I want to call out that we, this is posting on September 30th, which is International Podcast Day. da Yeah. So get out there, share your podcast... Uh, stories. Call us. Give us a ring at uh, 708-NOW-RAP 708 Let us know how our podcast has changed your life. Nice segue. Podcast! Well, for the podcasting! For better or worse. But in the meantime, we have an email
3: podcasting. from listener Luther.
0: Uh, I have officially listened to every available episode of 40 Going On 14 Podcast. Which is really kind of an in- <laughs>
2: I haven't he, even listened to when he available. says every available. I wonder if he basically it, did he find the ones that are on talk shoe or uh, is he only missing like the Rick and Morty show, which is lost to the sands of time forever.
0: Sadness. I think he might be missing Rick and Morty and um, Starsky and
2: Hutch. <laughs> <laughs> but, are are uh, the early shows available now other places than talk shoe?
0: The early shows are available, but the part of the problem is, is if you are listening to our show on uh, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, I think, only shows the first or the most recent either two or three hundred
2: shows. So yeah, you, we it have more you than off. that. Yeah, yeah so that makes sense.
0: We're at four four twenty seven right now. So uh, if you're looking to listen to on, on any other podcast uh, app, I would go to like um, Google or Podchaser or um Uh, fountain and they would have all of our shows there but he continues i really enjoy the show the topics and have found several episodes quite poignant the parenting episode for example also i am very happy to hear that pat was able to take care of himself and his family and everybody is doing well Uh thank you for all you guys do to provide this content for us you rock great listener luther so luther thank you very much
2: wow thank you Luther. that's nice to hear because I, I know that we've got the people that hang out with us on Discord are super fans. Uh, people have listened to us for years, but I always imagine that there's Luthers out there who've listened to a bunch of our stuff and enjoy it. And we just don't know they're out there. Like, we can see the numbers go up. We we know you people are hearing us. Yeah. It's always great to hear back from you.
3: The silent majority. Right. And, and you know, we're, we
0: also no- want to acknowledge, like, we have a ton of overseas listeners I mean, we, what was it? It was Jordan or something like this, the, the country of Jordan. We, we ranked like number 44 in TV and film reviews a couple of weeks ago. And every now and then we'll get this like out of the blue type of thing. And you know what? Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Ireland. <laughs> Thanks. You know, right. you, you know, we, we. You're big at Malta. Yeah. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear and to see that, uh, we are, You know, people are listening to us all over the world. In fact, uh, Australia better get your act together because you have been usurped as the number two uh, listening country in the world. Who's number one now? Uh, Well, U.S. is number one. Oh. uh, Just for the amount of listeners. Uh, Japan.
2: Yeah. So we have more people in Japan than Australia or uh, New Zealand? We have more listeners in Japan than
0: Australia, New Zealand, or England. Huh. Huh. Wow. So konnichiwa,
3: arigato, and, and, and arigato How yeah. far
2: down is Canada?
3: Uh, no, no, it's, it's up
2: it, it, It's yeah. up, Josh, it's north
3: It's north, yeah <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> Hey, it's about that time Luther, join us in Discord Hang out with yes. us, we'd love to, love to get to know you better Follow the link in the show notes This week in Music Movies And TV and jokes. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. So this week we're going with February 11th, 1979, the premiere of Elvis to 43 million viewers. Wow. That can't be wrong. Ah. See what I did there? Patrick gets it. Yeah. I liked it. Oh, no, I got it. Yeah. All
3: right. So music. Uh, The number one song in the land was Do You Think I'm Sexy by Rod Stewart? Do you? That has always confused me because there's literally
0: nothing sexy about Rod Stewart. He looks like a flesh scarecrow.
1: Yeah, I mean he's a rock star. That's about the only thing sexy about him.
0: He was
3: in a it band worked. called it got, a,
1: it got him a supermodel. I mean, yeah, being, I mean, just being a rock star worked for worked for lots of guys. <laughs> work lot, kind of great, it worked for a Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's a real he's a real rock star. <laughs> all, all
0: those all those uh, Rod Stewart, Lyle Lovett, Billy Joel guys out there, you know.
1: <laughs> Billy Joel walking around looking like a hound dog. <laughs> what he does you ever, he does you, ever, you ever really look at him he looks like a basset hound in the face
3: oh don't don't make i love billy Bassett Joel, but,
1: but but i don't love J- billy Joel for his face
3: you know
0: he's the piano
1: man yeah i'm aware
0: <laughs> okay take you off the side pat you made you made me curious are
1: we having an aside
0: we're having an aside uh-huh. where is where does canada lie on the countries that listen uh u.s is is the number one
1: i'd say like number six or seven somewhere in there
0: i'm gonna go with 10 10th josh you got a guess
1: uh
2: fourth
0: it is sixth
2: ah, yeah
0: new yep. zealand is 10th uh oh, are
2: that's further down than i imagined
0: yeah this is this is kind of weird because we have the u.s japan the uk Belgium, belgium and then germany canada australia out of the blue denmark hey france, france and then new zealand
3: fruity huh. way to go hey. good so. job fruity Love you buddy. All so
0: right. all you Belgians out there, thank you.
1: And I'd like to say to all our French listeners,
0: oh
3: And we just lost some French listeners.
0: <laughs> oh look at that. I can see it dropping as I'm watching it, right? <laughs> okay, continue.
3: The twenty first Grammy Awards were held February fifteenth in LA, hosted by John Denver. The BGs won the most awards with Billy Joel, Jim Henson, Steve Martin, John Williams, and Dolly Parton being among the other winners. That's weird. We were just talking about Billy Joel. Huh weird
0: little hound dog <laughs> face
3: <laughs> I'm trying to think of other ugly artists who have beautiful spouses um, um, Rick
2: Ocasek oh Rick yeah Rick Ocasek oh, right there good call. Uh, Seal I mean although the oh, yeah. now
0: Oh yeah Nick Cave Yeah uh, Yeah um oh uh uh who was who I I just lost his name but who is the lead of the lead singer of the Stooges
2: Iggy Pop Iggy yeah. Pop yeah. yeah Did he have a beautiful
3: No, I just thought we were talking
2: talking
3: about ugly people. (laughs) Oh. Well, that took a... Well, anyway. All right, so moving on. Uh, Finally, uh, Brandy Rihanna Norwood, born February 11th, is better known by her mononym, Brandy. A singer, songwriter, record producer, actress, and model, she is well known for her distinctive sound, which has earned her the title of The Vocal Bible. As of August 2020, she has sold over 40 million records worldwide with approximately 8.62 million albums sold in the United States alone. Her work has earned her numerous awards and accolades, including a Grammy Award and an American Music Award. Way to go, Brandy. Good
1: on you. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about Brandy. Wow. Good job, Biggie Pop. I know,
2: yeah, right? I just looked at Biggie I know Pop's wife. What I know of Brandy, I, I appreciate. I just oh, uh, Gene Simmons oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. the uh,
0: wait the drink the drink i know no, a lot i do that.
1: like I, I like brandy the drink more than i like brandy the singer that's for sure
3: could you drink brandy be a Both big of them? yes <laughs> if you pulled the fargo yes Ooh, tom petty there's another one and and josh out of all of us i assumed you would be the one that would be most familiar with
1: <laughs> basically all of the traveling wheelberries just yeah.
2: be honest. all right moving on to
3: movies George Harrison? He's all right. a guy, was he? The
2: number one movie in the land, knocking off the epic Christopher Reeve Superman, was The Warriors, a street gang film directed by Walter Hill. A fictitious New York City street gang must travel 30 miles to their home uh, turf in Coney Island in southern Brooklyn after they are framed for the murder of a respected gang leader. After reports of vandalism and violence in the theaters on its release, Paramount temporarily halted their advertising campaign and uh, re-released theater and re-released and released theater owners from their obligation to show the film. Despite its initially negative re- reception, The Warriors has become a cult classic and has been reappraised by film critics. The film has spawned several spinoffs, including video games and a comic book series.
0: I think their problem was posting it as, come see The Warriors and vandalize and cause violence in the theater.
3: Come out to play it.
1: I mean, well, the, the the problem was they had a, a, a true-to-life gang movie, and gang members all came to see it and realized, hey, that's my enemy sitting in the seat over there. <laughs>
3: Time to get stabby.
1: <laughs> that's a real thing that happened. That, like, literally happened in the theaters. <laughs> they had all kinds of gang warfare break out because they're, they're like, hey, let's go see this movie about gangs. Hey, man, that's a crip over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so- the
3: the Warriors is one that's on my shelf. Have you guys, are you all familiar with it you all seen it?
1: Oh, oh yeah. um, I'm a
0: huge fan of the Warriors. Love the Warriors. And the video game was actually really good for being a
1: movie-based game, which usually are trash.
3: I'm, I, I'm glad to hear you all say that. I, I,
1: the, the guy who played Fox was supposed to be a bigger part in the whole movie. And uh, he and the director did not get along. And the director one day just literally told the told the writers, he's like, all right, write a death scene for this guy. He's done. I'm tired of dealing with the actor. <laughs> the wow. Guy that got pushed, pushed off the subway platform and died. Yeah.
3: So, wow. Walter Hell.
2: All right. Uh, Born on February 13th, Mina Alexandra Suvari is an American actress, producer, fashion designer, and model. After beginning uh, her career as a model and guest starring on several television shows, she made her film debut in the 1997 drama Nowhere. Suvari rose to international prominence with her appearances in the critically acclaimed American Beauty, for which she uh, received a BAFTA nomination for Best Supporting Actress, and three of the American Pie films. Savari played recurring roles on Six Feet Under and Chicago Fire and portrayed Elizabeth Short in the American Horror Story anthology series, among others.
3: And yeah. no, American Pie is not the sequel to American Beauty. I made that mistake twice.
1: American Beauty Pie.
3: <laughs> mm, beauty
1: Pie.
3: Now I want an apple pie.
2: All right. Born on February 9th, (laughs) Zhang Ziyi is a Chinese actress and model. Her first major role was in The Road Home, and she later gained international recognition for her role in Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Zhang has also appeared in Rush Hour 2, Hero, and House of Flying Daggers, but her most critically acclaimed works are Memoirs of a Geisha, which earned her a nomination for a Golden Globe and a BAFTA Award and a SAG Award. And the Grandmaster, for which she won 12 different Best Actress Awards to become the most awarded Chinese actress for a single film. In 2008, she was rewarded with the Outstanding Contribution to Chinese Cinema Award at the 11th Shanghai International Film Festival. In 2013, she received the French Cultural Order at the Audrey des Arts de Lettres. Uh, Zhang recently appeared in the films The Cloverfield Paradox and the acronym of the week, GK, otm which i'm pretty sure is genghis khan owed the mob
0: <laughs> he was so down I on his luck. he ever has ever found him
1: the mob is everywhere he's buried next to jimmy hoffa that is actually godzilla king of the monsters <laughs>
3: what was what? That? <laughs> that that was that was my that was godzilla, godzilla playing
1: impression. the
3: harp. <laughs> yeah yeah it's godzilla playing uh northern exposure all right so well before we let joel go any further
0: tv Top shows in the land were sixty minutes, Three's Company. That's incredible, and Mash, which is that's a good evening of entertainment right there.
1: It's a nice. Incredible is what it is. Yeah,
0: I'm. I miss that's incredible.
1: That was a fun
3: show. I'm surprised that, was, that hasn't been come back. To be honest,
0: well, I mean, there's so much ridiculousness on TikTok and right people doing it, shit all over the place. Why would you need well, to like make a
1: show that? Like ridiculousness is kind of taking the place of it. I would say, yeah.
3: But what's, I mean, what's John Davison doing these days? I mean, seriously. His hair. All right.
0: So, (laughs) premiering February 10th, Heroes of Rock and Roll is a highly entertaining chronicle of 25 years of music and youth in action, narrated by Jeff Bridges, a compilation footage of film and tape from both major studios and independent sources. This visual history offers newsreel, cinema trailers, interviews, rehearsals, and rare privately seen. Rare? Private Rarely Seen. Woo, that's weird.
1: Uh, rare, private, rarely seen.
0: Rare, private, rarely seen private videos, milestones of you, rock yeah. history. The greatest stars at their greatest moments. HTTPS.
1: <laughs> I was oh, going to say. I, I knew it. I knew you were
0: going to do that, you dick. <laughs> I will put that link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, um, the, 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 I, I put a link to the entire show in the in the notes. And yeah. Smart well, as also start reading the link. <laughs>
0: If you put it on the monitor, he's gonna read it. <laughs> Super Train was a, mo- a show I don't recall. This, was an adventure. I, I, I
1: got lost in a in in a in a hole with the Super Tra- I like almost watched half the pilot. Like it Super Train. This is like um I went deep it? down the rabbit hole of Super Snowpiercer?
0: T- yeah, that stupid Snowpiercer movie. Uh Super Train was an adventure drama series that debuted its two hour pilot on February seventh. The Super Train. Is a steam and nuclear powered high speed extra wide train equipped with luxury amenities such as (laughs) for her pleasure swimming pool, shopping centers, a gym, a library, a medical center, and a discotheque? It has to run on specially built broad gauge track that runs along a route between New York City and Los Angeles, with additional stops in Chicago, Denver, and a fictional town in Texas called Spring. (laughs) Like the Love Boat, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) The the plots concern the passengers' social lives, usually with multiple intertwining storylines. Most of the cast were given on a given episode were guest stars. The production was elaborate, with huge sets and two high-tech model trains for outside shots. The nine episodes that were filmed made Supertrain the most expensive series ever aired in the United States at the time. The production was beset by problems, including a $10 million set of model trains for exterior shots and a full-size train with enormous passenger cars measuring 64 by 26 by 22 feet. (laughs) Jesus. God. Only three episodes aired, and the combination of this show's failure and the 1980 Olympic boycott almost bankrupted NBC. Oh my God! How do I?
3: And it is bad. Do uh, you know somebody somewhere lost their job over that?
1: Like the actual super train itself, the 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 model that they used on the exterior, not the actual working <laughs> model train, but the like the still model that they used when they were like loading the train and whatever that was uh, when it was in the station. Yeah. I swear to you. It looks like they repurposed the pieces of this to make Battlestar Galactica, or vice versa. Like, right. You it know what looks, it looks like the front of the Battlestar Galactica ship.
0: It <laughs> looks like Battlestar Galactica or uh, Space nineteen
1: ninety nine. Yeah, like they repurposed something oh, definitely for that for, for that engine or whatever.
0: I mean, and how how could you not have a great show with the stars such as Harry Andrews, Patrick Harrison Collins Page. played
1: the played the lead. Who was basically, you know, like the Captain Steubing, the one who walked around and and introduced everybody and met them and led the ship and everything. Yeah, he was like the.
0: Well, it must have had an effect on his career because the things that he has on his on his IMDb are man on a ledge, super train and young doctors in love. Yeah. Wow. That's a whole
1: bunch of little parts. But yeah, I mean, I literally went down the rabbit hole with this whole thing.
2: what What, Josh? <laughs> Nothing. I was just referring to Young Doctors in Love as a classic. You know, there are no little parts in Young Doctors in Love. <laughs> I want to see this.
1: It's not worth it, but it's it's yeah.
2: I, I mean just I mean now I'm not
0: spending two hours. I just want to see a clip of this because the train, you are hundred percent correct that every part of this of this it was repurposed in some sci fi show somewhere or yeah. another.
3: Yeah. With all new stories, all new all star casts where fun and mystery happen the way you want it to. Tonight, it's a crew member's first super train run, but a diamond thief may make it his last, starring how Pagoda, Miles
2: this this awesome. Wagner,
3: Jaja Gabor <laughs> and Peter Laffer.
2: I- I'm not even joking. Like this sounds like I would have liked it.
1: It's it's just it's bad. It's I don't know how to explain it. It's just the acting is bad, like Yeah.
3: I see like there's why one, there's one of the scenes now.
1: where he's walking through all Patrick Collins is walking through all the carts and checking on all the stuff and it's their excuse for showing off all the amenities and everything. And in one of the carts, it's like all these cocktail waitresses and they're dressed all skimpy and everything. And they're all standing in a line waiting to get judged by him. And he's telling them all to make sure to stick out your chest and suck in your guts. And he's like, Oh, I'm in love with all of you. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is cringy as shit.
2: Okay. That sounds less awesome than the super train.
1: Yeah. That's what I said. Like, you know, they tried to take they tried to make the Super Train like its own character, but it just, you know, people were more interested in hearing stories about the, the people rather than the train. A so.
0: Vagoda was in this? <laughs> I mean, of course he was.
1: Yeah. Super Train. So Super now, Train now, and now Mike the love has a mission boat. to find a find a now for Super Train. He wants to-
3: <laughs> Super Train and the Love Boat had a baby and it was Space 1999. I, I have got to put I man, I miss Space nineteen ninety
0: nine. That was a great show. I'm gonna have to put a this image in there because i'm gonna ridiculous. put a pen in this gonna put a yeah. good right. pen in this on the show notes
1: that's enough of super train let's,
0: let's super get, train. get off Super
1: train move on to sports <laughs> toot, toot. <laughs> edward painter was an english cricketer who was an attacking batsman and excellent fielder his test batting average of 59.23 is the seventh highest of all time and second highest among the englishmen against australia alone painter averaged an extraordinary 84.42 the Second World War brought an effective end to Painter's career, though he did play a few special and festival games after the war. He died on February
3: 5th. Oh, he was absorbed.
1: And then Cedric Ivan James Smith was an English cricketer who played in five test matches for the England cricket team between 1935 and 1937. Known as Big Jim, Smith joined the <laughs> Marylebone Cricket Club in 1926 and played for Wiltshire until 1933. A 6-foot, 4-inch fast bowler, Whoa. Smith's accuracy and appetite for hard work—well, they called him Big Jim for a reason.
3: I thought it was his cock.
1: <laughs> his accuracy and appetite for hard work earned him 676 career wickets at a 17.75 before the onset of World War II effectively ended his career as well. Big Although Jim. Although primarily a fast bowler, Smith earned a reputation as a big-hitting tail ender. Big Jim. <laughs> In 1938, he scored a half-century in just 11 minutes against Gloucestershire at Bristol, the fastest genuine 50 on record. No Another achievement was Big being Jim. credited by some with the biggest six in history at Lords in 1937. When he played a shot that cleared the old grandstand on the north side of the ground. Big Jim died February 8th.
3: Big dead Jim. I'm so upt.
1: I mean, just the,
0: just the, the biggest six in history that cleared the old grandstand. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: oh, go ahead, play us off keyboard, Joel. <laughs> na, 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 na. All right,
0: 1979, Elvis, the TV movie comes out, is directed by a one John Carpenter of Halloween, The Thing, and Big Trouble in Little China fame. Never heard of him. Never heard of him, yeah. I know, he was... Wasn't much of a name back then it is written by anthony laurent who also wrote uh, episodes for the twilight zone hawaii 50 and the rust about which is an elvis presley movie and super train and super train no that is a lie uh currently sitting at 65 percent on rotten tomatoes this is a biopic of the life of elvis presley starring a very young Kurt Russell in this, and this is actually the first time that Kurt Russell had ever worked with John Carpenter. They got it along. wouldn't be the last. Right, they Beginning got along. of
1: a beautiful friendship.
0: Uh-huh, got along really well, and he said, hey, I got some other ideas, and uh, also having Shelley Winters as Gladys Presley, Bing Russell, Kurt Russell's dad, playing Vernon Presley, which I think was pretty cool, mm-hmm. Robert Gray as Red West, Season Hubley as Priscilla Presley, and Pat Hingle as Colonel Tom Parker.
1: A.K.A. Pat Hingle? Anyone? No. Pat I, Hingle? The names seem familiar, but I looked him Schneider up on IMDb. One day at a 8. time, isn't that Pat Hingle?
0: Yeah, he's also uh, Commissioner Gordon on Batman, the
1: movies. Ah. Yeah. No, from, it's uh, not Schneider, then. It's a different guy. What is his name? Pat something. Marina. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you at the same time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, so some trivia. Pat
1: that's what it is. Pat Mattestees. Pat
0: Pat Matestes, That's fantastic. I love that. No.
1: <laughs>
0: I will not. <laughs> and, and starring Pat Mattestee <laughs> as Schneider. <laughs> uh, okay, so some trivia. In an interview, John Carpenter said that they had to glue Kurt Russell's ears back because they stuck too far out.
3: Pat Harrington. Hey,
1: that's it. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Welcome. welcome uh reportedly Priscilla Presley was paid $50,000 to check the script for accuracy mm. all songs were performed by Ronnie McDowell who uh, is basically like the late 70s early 80s guy who they got to impersonate Elvis they were he all did,
3: performed uh, by Ronnie McDowell
0: yeah no 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 Ronnie McDowell who was also in Elvis Meets Nixon
2: yeah, he uh, he does a pretty good Elvis singing impersonation. So. Oh, he
0: does a great one. Too bad Kurt Russell couldn't lip sync along with him. Um, <laughs> also, now this is, this is something that I thought was super cool when I read it. Kurt Russell visited Vernon Presley at Graceland during filming. Uh, Vernon was a supporter of the movie, and he suggested that Kurt wear one of Elvis's real jumpsuits, and he picked the Adonis which Elvis made in war in 1972 on the DVD cover. And in the 1970s, Elvis scenes, Russell is wearing the actual jumpsuit that Elvis wore. Not a copy.
3: That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. He's sweating that.
0: I'd hope they'd have it cleaned. Cause he sweat a lot. <laughs> Who Kurt Russell. But yeah, Both of them.
3: It looked like they were spraying Kurt Russell down like every three minutes. Well, if they didn't then you could got to keep your Kurt
1: Russell moist.
3: The DNA you and you could make a Kurt Russell Elvis hybrid. You have my attention. He would just would it impregnate be Elvis
1: Russell or Kurt Presley.
3: Every woman on the planet just by looking at him. Elvis Russell, Kurt I think B. better. Curvis Rusby. <laughs> that sounds delicious, Patrick.
2: Curvis Rusby ignored the don't do meth billboard.
3: <laughs> oh, so this is
0: set at his Vegas return. Uh, After he had been out of the spotlight for a long while, like, what, 13 years almost? 12, 13 years? 10 years. 10 years. And uh, Kurt comes in. uh, He had the voice down. He definitely had the lip down. That was (laughs) all the time. I think they did go a little bit overboard with the eyeliner on him, though. But then again, TV in the 70s was...
2: Well, and they kind of made the point in both of the films that, like, Elvis... Uh, until he became Elvis, a lot of people thought he looked very feminine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought As, that that was well, pretty. Elvis was
1: Elvis was a pretty boy, but he wasn't feminine. But yeah, that yeah, exactly. Like I mean, a lot of guys that consider themselves manly and rugged, you know, used to laugh at him because yeah, he was too pretty. Yeah. Right.
3: Checks in the mail because Elvis left the building. But yeah, so is this a first viewing for any of us? Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Yep. Yep. And I have to say. Spoilers, I had a great time.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because these are bookends. There was a long time in the 90s and early 2000s where there were all of these really try-hard negative uh, takes on Elvis. And I like that you've got this one so soon after his death. And then uh, the new one uh, where there's been enough time where it can be more of a celebration of his life as it was. Um, that have this very different take, uh, more like they don't ignore the negative parts of Elvis's life, but it's not all. He was a fat joke who died after eating peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Right.
0: Yeah. They definitely, they definitely did. I mean, for lack of a better term, honor the man in what they Mm -hmm. did. You know, it wasn't a complete, because I know that there's been a couple of other Elvis biopics that have been like, he was on drugs all the time. He was cheating on Priscilla continually, blah, blah, blah. You know what? It, yeah, that, yes, he did. Those are true. <laughs> this is not, this is not untrue. But he also made a shitload of really good music. He was really, from what I understand, and, you know, in a- a- anecdotal evidence, if you were a friend of his and part of his inner circle, he took care of you. You know, he was he was good to his friends. He was good, definitely good to his mama. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it was a guy who got famous fast and, uh, you know, kind of things got out of control. And,
2: I also, you know. Oh, 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 go ahead, Joel. No, please go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it's interesting the parts of the story that are left out of each of these. Because uh, it's very different. Like, Red is much more prominent in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you get a whole picture out of either of them, but you get a better picture uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, watching, watching both, watching both of
3: them. Yeah. Um, they de- this being a made-for-TV movie, they definitely, um, I mean, almost entirely left out the drug use. Like on the whole, there was there was a little bit of drinking, you know, a little bit of whatever, but there was no. I don't remember any drugs being used at all.
0: Well, that was all um, Shelley Winters.
3: Well, she'd already done them all at that point. <laughs> it, was,
0: that um, was, it was it was pretty. Uh, I mean, it was, I thought it was what you're talking about. Like when they did talk about something, it was like dun dun dun. Shelley Winters reaches for the bottle, and then they cut to commercial. You know?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's it was a probably a like a either a mini series event or a you know, um, like a three night event or something. So It was two and a half hours long, which in TV terms probably meant it was you know. Oh, it was a one night shot.
0: Oh. It was like, yeah, it was like a one, one evening event, which really? may, oh yeah, which may also uh, explain why so many things and so many conflicts were kind of glossed over. I don't say glossed over, but was kind of like they were referenced and then left behind, like the whole red not being invited to the, to the wedding thing. You know, yeah, they, that never, they, kind of, they were
1: never
2: resolved. They were just, prevented. right.
0: Yeah. It I was, was like, was... oh, hey, red and him had a tussle on the skating rink and now
2: they're all fine in the next scene. I was impressed that was included at all, because that's a little bit of an Elvis deep cut. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was going to say real
1: quick, it felt almost like an anthology, like a sewing together of just snippets rather than a flowing story. I
2: can buy that. I kind of think that uh, most of the retellings leave various things out, either to be respectful to people they want to be involved in the project or to tell a better story. Uh, You don't see any of them that talk about... Uh, like there's a lot of talk about Elvis's uh, infidelity, but you don't see a whole lot that shows that sh- uh, so desperate and lonely Priscilla cheated on Elvis as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pretty famously actually. Uh, yeah. That was left out of both of these. Well, they had a very toxic relationship. Uh huh. Well, I mean, it, he met her when but, she was fourteen.
3: Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was just gonna say. Yeah. When you
2: that,
1: that and also was usually never mentioned in any of the Elvis movies.
3: Nope. Well, I mean, they they kind of. It with the,
0: well, I promise so that she'll get her who will we'll continue her education. And you kind of go, oh, she's in college. But then you're like, no, no, that ain't right. Yeah. yeah
3: Lee Lewis think. got slammed to hell. But Elvis, no, they didn't.
2: And they did refer to her as a child a couple times mm-hmm. in this, which came closer to the truth than I think most of the others do. Yeah.
0: Now Here's a question. Is Squirrel Town an insult that I'm not aware of in Texas, Patrick? I've never heard it because it, it was mentioned. It was mentioned here and in the new one they called them squirrel so i don't know if that was i don't know what was up with that and also texas high schools are there rogue bands of tonisorial, you know haircuttery type guys running around with scissors threatening to cut your hair well, oh hair, now yeah. yeah
1: not anymore coach, coach thompson says we got to cut his hair
0: who the hell is coach thompson
1: they've moved they've moved on to giving you bigger hair now
0: oh, oh. huh oh it's right. <laughs>
1: like guys with
2: guys with moose
1: and conditioner. Yeah, so. the bouffant gang is what they're called.
2: <laughs> well, and you know, if school bullies uh, are constantly tormenting you, the best strategy is to be the only locker in the school without a lock. I don't know if anyone else knows. I did not pick that up. Yeah, he, he goes to his locker right after he gets uh, confronted in the bathroom and opens it without a lock, gets his guitar out, closes it, no lock. Uh, all the other lockers had locks. It bothered me.
0: The other thing, other question. I guess I I didn't
2: notice that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. Kyle. Good call on that one. Talent show. That talent show was cool. Him being all nervous going on talent show, blah, blah, blah. But if you're going to go on talent show and you're going to present to your high school, you're going to sing a song about your dead dog. Right. (laughs) What's a little, a little downer. I was not, I was expecting hound dog. I was expecting it's all right, mama. I was expecting anything, but you know, uh, where the red fern grows by Elvis.
2: Well, yeah, he, yeah he could have done in the ghetto. He hadn't recorded any of those others yet.
0: Oh, that's true. That's true. In the ghetto, shut up. <laughs> now, Pat, you, I'm going to defer to you as the Elvis guy in this one. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, was he really on about his twin as much as they showed in the movie?
1: I mean, yes and no. I, he would. It was definitely something that he you know he carried with him his whole life, but it wasn't. He wasn't like he you know he didn't wear it hard on his sleeve like that. He was a very reserved, quiet guy believe it or not until he got on stage. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say I'm, I'm an above average Elvis fan. I'm, I mean, there are clearly bigger Elvis fans out there because, you know, some of the Elvis fans are just Both physically and mentally. Yeah. I've been to Graceland twice. I love really? his music. Yep. Huh. Um, I, I, I like him a lot. I like his music way more than I like the man, but the man himself is, he's just a kind of a fascinating figure. Um, like in, immensely talented, great voice, but had no confidence. Had was surround, you know, was surrounded by people that had nothing but but their own interests at heart. With you know, and did everything they could to prop him up to keep him going, even when he didn't. You know, I just, it just, I mean, he's it, a sad tale because at at, at its heart, he was just a a country bumpkin who happened to you know look real pretty and sing very nice, and he got used by a whole lot of people that never really cared for him. And the one person that kind of did care for him, which was Priscilla, eventually, you know, he drove her away. It's a sad story. You know, he never really found anybody that actually, you know, cared for him that that he could trust outside of her. And, you know, she couldn't stop all the people that were pecking away at him all his life.
0: Well, speaking of which, we have to
3: definitely bring up the uh, colonel then. Yep. Which we'll get a lot into that probably more in the second half. But yeah, I was going to
2: say he seemed like he was barely in this one. Like, yeah. I was more fascinated by like you never hear about Bonnie Brown in almost any of the others and if not for her last name I wouldn't have known who she was but she was in this and I was surprised yeah the whole Memphis mafia was a lot more you know in this movie than than
1: Colonel Tom
0: well I think maybe it's because they were uh, maybe trying to push that kind of like rat pack Elvis had his rat pack type of thing
1: and they probably had a lot more to do with this being so so close to his actual death they probably had a lot more to do with this movie than they did the 2022.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like so they're definitely going to make sure that their stories are in and they're painted in a much better light and all that kind of stuff
2: and the colonel's still alive at this point What uh, his whole deal was had not come out yet so like his story isn't as interesting at this point in history as it would be later
3: yeah he's just kind of there as like a not even like a secondary character he's more tertiary to the hangers on and, and Priscilla and his mom yeah mm-hmm. but they definitely, did,
0: they definitely did make an effort to make him a little notorious.
1: Well, I think, I think Elvis's father had a, had a big part in downplaying while Elvis was alive, exactly how much of an influence that Colonel Tom had, because I think his father had a a part in, in bilking him financially together with with Tom, with, with Tom Parker.
2: So I could see that. Well, and we'll, we'll revisit this. Tom Parker, uh, was, only a little bit uh, dark in this one. He was super dark in the second one. And in real life might actually be the darkest take on him. But I want to come back to that after we talk, because usually when someone's uh, portrayed almost as a cartoon of supervillain, the reality wasn't that bad. Tom Parker might be the exception. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have, I have opinions
1: on the, on the now movie.
3: Ooh. Well, as far as the film itself goes, I know know Mike said he was pretty uh, excited about it. I, I like John Carpenter. Uh, obviously, being a, a horror fan, kind of comes with the uh, the whole shtick to be a Carpenter fan. Uh, I, I've grown to like him more the older I've gotten uh, to appreciate his films, but I've I found, as far as the filmmaking goes, the film itself was a little... I mean, it's a TV movie, but it was a little... Uh, the pacing was very 70s. I guess that's probably the best way to put it, because we talk about 70s pacing a lot. I felt like this struggled with that a lot.
0: Well, I think there were... a. Uh, a, a Kind of a cross between 70s pacing and also um, trying to cram as much information as possible into a two and a half hour movie.
2: That's true. Although you did see a lot of the signature uh, John Carpenter use of like light and shadow, especially near the beginning of this.
0: Mm -hmm. And this was actually uh, looking at it. He had only done Assault on Precinct 13 in Halloween. Before he did this, and right before this, he did something called "Someone's Watching Me." Yep,
3: which was another made-for-TV.
0: Yeah, with Adrian Barbeau, who and Lauren Hutton. Oh, Lauren Hutton.
3: And then two years after this, he did Halloween too. Yeah. So yeah, very early on in his career.
0: So he hadn't exactly gotten his. He was he wasn't writing his own uh,
1: soundtracks yet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear his take on Elvis songs, though. That would have been interesting.
1: So yeah, I mean, overall, I would say I I I enjoyed this. It was you know, it was a it was a fine take on Elvis, and like like Josh said, you know, the fact that it focused a lot more on the Memphis Mafia than most movies do was kind of interesting. But it was kind of campy, a little bit slow. Some of the you know, some of the acting was good. Did you guys realize um, that Kurt Russell married the girl that played Priscilla? I did. Yeah, that's his first wife. Oh. They they met on this this movie, the stage, and everything. And they got married. Yeah, that's why they had
2: such good chemistry in the movie. Oh, I'm glad cool. you brought it up because I had forgotten to. Yeah.
3: Well, and as far as his portrayal of the king is concerned, I felt like he definitely had the voice down in terms of speaking, and I I kind of lost myself in it, so I wasn't seeing Kurt Russell as much as I was seeing kind of the Elvis character coming out a bit more, which mm-hmm. is good. But as far as like the anytime there was the musical sections of it, uh, somebody referenced that earlier when we were talking about this, but. He did not do a good job with uh, uh, lip syncing and and making it believe that he was actually singing the song. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, he did a much better job as Elvis offstage, for sure.
3: Yes, for sure. That's exactly it.
1: He'd gotten better by the time uh, 3,000 Miles of Graceland came out.
3: (laughs) That is a great Elvis movie.
2: Oh, and that is a bit of trivia that didn't come up. Uh Uh-oh. All the times uh, he's played Elvis? Well, no, there's a specific uh, set of uh, circumstances with his first film, This and 3,000 Miles to Graceland. As a little kid, uh, Kurt Russell was in a film with Elvis, all, all at the World's Fair, where he kicked Elvis in the shins. What? When he yes, yes, that is right. He's he is and, correct. And then again, in Three Thousand Miles to Graceland, when he's playing an Elvis impersonator, there's a callback to that when a little kid runs up and kicks him in the shins.
3: That's oh. funny.
2: And that kid yeah. later grew up to play Kurt Russell in a biopic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that because uh, I had been waiting to say that and forgot to. Oh, <laughs> well, you're so welcome. Let's
0: see. I'm looking to see where. Kurt Russell was on his career. He had just done a lot of TV.
3: Well, he was a Disney kid, so.
0: Yeah, got past the.
3: Yeah, he was a musketeer right?
0: No. Well, and he did. Uh, the a the lot computer of Disney works in his shoes. Yep. Oh, okay. That, okay. I knew he was one. in
1: the Disney world. I didn't know.
0: Yeah. Kurt
1: Russell. And that, I, again,
0: I don't know the, tr- the full veracity of this, but I think it, w- it was the deathbed statement of Disney was like writing down Kurt Russell's name before he died type of thing. I don't know if it's true or not, but in my heart, I want to go. Yeah, that's true. Because Kurt. Yeah,
1: Russell Kurt played. Russell killed Disney. Yeah, yeah, he was naming. He was naming his attacker.
0: <laughs> <gasps> he was the murderer this whole time. We gave him all these movies. Kurt
1: Russell, the computer
0: war, blood. The,
1: the entire sentence he was trying to write was "Kurt Russell cut my head off," but he ran out of blood. And so let's see. After Elvis, he did uh,
0: real movies. Oh, used cars. Oh God, that movie! I like that movie. I like that movie. That movie is asinine but fun.
3: That's yeah, just it. Is. It's just dumb, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Yeah,
0: but no. All in all, I was expecting. I mean, I was expecting what I got in some cases, like the '70s pacing. The <laughs> sorry, what? just had a go
1: flashback. U- Used cars was the first movie that I where I saw uh, was watching with my dad, and I saw boobies. And since my mom wasn't there, he didn't make me turn my head. So
0: <laughs> go, oh. Dad.
1: Yeah. So thanks, and Dad.
0: Since that point, it's been all downhill. Yeah,
1: right? Like, it's been a problem ever since.
3: You can see them.
1: What? You
3: can this touch is what's them. What's
1: happening when you make me look away?
3: They're like a bag of sand. <laughs> You'll find out, son.
0: I I don't I really don't know where to take the bag of sand comment, but
3: <laughs>
1: that's from forty year old virgin.
0: Oh, okay. It's but, but no. I think there was a seventies pacing because seventies there was a lot of things kind of left hanging there a little bit of overblown drama of uh um what's her name shelly winters as a mom reaching for the glass of wine because she can't live up to the expectations of elvis being elvis's mom or you know that sort of thing i mean there's a little bit of that in there but all in all i think i had a good time i think it did a good it wasn't a disservice to elvis i think it was a respectful way of doing it, considering the way things were written, you know, the style of writing and the style of movies back then, I think it was a good, a good job.
1: And also uh, just to be clear, uh, Elvis's mom was like very manipulative and controlling as well. So that wasn't that far off at portrayal.
2: They, uh, it was interesting because they cut it at 1970 and you don't see anything else. You don't end up seeing a lot of the things that would, the more negative, cynical takes on Elvis, him uh, getting heavy, uh, all the drugs, like that wouldn't have been appropriate because it wouldn't have happened yet. Right. I know, and they
0: kind of left it. You never find out whether or not the shooter was actually there.
1: <laughs> but I think it was a good decision to not include that part of his life.
2: Oh, I think especially mm-hmm. in 1979. Right. Yeah. It was so close after his death. I, I, I'm right there with you.
0: Yeah, they would have. there would have been so much... Kickback on that if they had shown him in any negative light outside of just being a, a tormented artist. So
3: I mean, I felt like overall they did a it, it it was a it was a serviceable piece of filmmaking and you know well done take on the the uh, the life of Elvis. Did I like it? Nah, I don't know, but it was it was serviceable. I liked it. I mean, I'm not going to be like
1: save it for the end of the show. No spoilers.
3: I gotta watch it oh, again. Man.
2: Yeah,
3: I'm watching it right now.
2: You'll Not be to done by a- 2
3: a.m. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's just had it on a loop ever since he watched it the first time.
2: <laughs> the loop is uh, now completed twice.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't lie. There were a couple times I was checking the checking the stream. Oh, man. It's got another 45 minutes left. But all right. Well, I think we've covered this already. Enough. Right? I think we covered it enough. I think we yes. can move on to the second stage. We were going to talk about Baz Luhrmann's Elvis Twenty Twenty Two, currently on HBO.
1: My spoiler is: there are four words in this world that make me want to watch a movie less.
2: There are a few <laughs> four words that what make me want to watch a movie. I hate <laughs> Buzz Lerman. Is what I'm giving you. <laughs> He's <laughs> trying to display the intelligence of the average person who hates <laughs> Buzz Lerman. <laughs>
1: Directed average by Buzz Lerman, those four words make me want to watch a movie. Not at all. Like I just no. Like he. I just. I don't. I don't care for him. All right,
0: well, I can't wait to get into this. Yeah. Oh boy.
1: So we'll be back in a little bit. Walking into
0: 2022's Elvis. All right, we are back and we are going to talk about Elvis 2022, which is directed by the incomparable Baz Luhrmann.
2: Yeah, we're going to get into it because we, yeah. we've got someone who hates Baz Luhrmann and practically a super fan on the same podcast. Yeah, this is gonna and be we've good. been here before. Yeah. Uh, if
0: you Welcome have not back. seen anything by Baz Luhrmann, you, let's say, go back, watch uh, uh, Moulin Rouge, watch um, Romeo and Juliet,
2: Strictly Ballroom,
0: Strictly Ballroom,
2: Australia.
0: Yep. Uh, anything anything that um, feels That's like a lot you're of on. style
1: and no substance.
0: A lot of PCP and almost uh, seizure inducing cutscenes. Cuts, which
2: Yeah, I don't agree with the no substance, but he does over-stylize it, and I understand you hate that. Yeah, the like, solarized get up to
0: twenty on this one.
2: Right. I, and everything like uh his uh Great Gatsby, same way. It's like very, very <clears throat> stylized.
0: Yeah. See this is Written by Baz Luhrmann and also Sam Burnell, which worked with him on uh, *Great Gatsby*, *The Get Down*, and oh, Erdom yeah. and *H&M*. The secret, there's wait. The secret life of flowers. H&M is hit and miss, right? That's a clothing store. I don't know what that is. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's confusing to me. Also, Craig Pierce, who worked with him on *Moulin Rouge*, *Romeo Juliet*, *Strictly Ballroom*, and *Great Gatsby*, and Jeremy Donner or Donner. Donner. I would
1: Donner. imagine donor.
0: Donor. <laughs> anyway, was also
1: <laughs> and we're fighting already. <laughs> yeah, here we go.
0: Writer also on Elvis besides Damages, Heartbreaker, and Legend of the Lost Tomb, which was a TV movie back in '97. So, this is stars. Well, summary then. This is told a little bit of a twist on this one over the previous one uh this is told from the eyes of colonel tom parker on his deathbed just having suffered a stroke to which the opening scene of this movie thought i honestly thought it was a trailer for another movie that had snuck in on hbo after the first trailer that i had seen um but he is talking about his life with elvis after nursing a gambling addiction that left him destitute he looks back on how he met the future king of rock and roll prior to its premiere at Cannes film festival lisa marie presley elvis's daughter praised the film in an instant instagram post after seeing it twice calling it nothing short of spectacular she went on to praise butler's performance as her late father saying that he had channeled and embodied my father's heart and soul beautifully in my humble opinion, his performance is unprecedented and finally done accurately and respectfully. So and she also said that he should get an Academy Award for Best Actor. So with whether or not that's true, we'll leave that to be determined in the next conversation. So Austin Butler as Elvis Presley uh, looking. This is going to sound awful. It, he kind of looks like one of the Bogendolf brothers in the poster.
1: I don't know I, who those are. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, I have no oh, idea. Oh, yeah,
0: that. you do. Yeah, you do. The um Those those uh Norwegian or the uh, Belgium twins that had all that facial reconstruction surgery done, so they have like the super chiseled jaw. Oh,
2: yeah, vaguely I know about yeah, that. Yeah, they kind
0: of look like that, but uh, Tom Hanks uh, as Colonel Tom Parker. Olivia Dijon as Priscilla Presley. Helen Thompson as Gladys, Elvis's mother. Richard Roxborough as Vernon, Elvis's father. Kevin Harrison Jr. as B.B. King. David Wenham as Hank Snow. Cody Smith-McPhee as Jimmy Rogers Snow. Luke Bracey as Jerry Schilling. DeCray? DeCray? DeCray. DeCray. Montgomery as Steve Binder.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
0: Leon Ford as Tom Diskin. Gary Clark as Big Boy Crudup. Yola as Sister Rosetta Tharp. Natasha Bassett as Luke Dixie Locks, and a bunch of other ones. I, don't know, I got Wait, tired. <laughs> I got like, so bored. Just, I just got bored. <laughs> I was
1: you like, guys, how long uh, is he going to go on this? One? I don't know. Just waiting. <laughs> Do you all
3: <laughs> know Dockery Montgomery. Do we? We we did the Stranger Things uh, Billy, and we also did the um uh, more uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers show. He's
0: oh yeah, he was the the older brother in um uh, Stranger Things, the one that got torn apart by the things. See, so the thing is, is I my, my my thing with putting all these names in is I know if I miss someone, Joel. Oh, you you, you missed uh, Frank Jones. Who's a, who's the who? Plays oh, that I'll do this some.
1: too. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know I
0: Josh will do, was do that too. too. Yeah, Josh. But Joel's a little bit more
3: like, yeah, this but person. We all, yeah, we
1: all I catch.
0: didn't say
3: he missed it. You mentioned him. I just, you guys used to act like you didn't know who he was. So
1: I didn't, Real I didn't realize that was his name. I didn't know his name.
3: Yeah. yeah. All right. So some trivia austin butler does
0: his own singing and dancing as young elvis from the 1968 special onwards he dubs elvis's original performances
2: okay that makes sense especially considering the way they did the final sequence
0: yeah so uh the basic premise of the of the elvis comeback special from 1968 is seen in this film is basically true Elvis was appalled that Colonel Tom Parker had agreed with a sponsor and the NBC TV network that he would do an hour-long special in which he would be doing cheesy skits and singing Christmas songs in a terrible sweater, so he effectively plotted with director Steve Binder and producer Bob Finkel to do a special showcasing his career. Rehearsals started in June of 68, with filming commencing in late June 68, Elvis Binder and Finkel did as much as they could to keep Parker out of the studio during recordings. This move worked. Although four hours of footage was shot, it was finally edited down to 50 minutes. It was show was aired on December 3rd and 68 to a huge success. It was the number one most watched TV show that week in the U S in conjunction with the special, a soundtrack of songs was specially recorded or re-recorded for the show uh, was released. An album, the album reached number eight on Billboard album charts and would go on to earn a gold certification. The success of the endeavor led to Elvis having a new enthusiasm for resurrecting his live singing career, which he did in 1969 once he finished off his MGM movie contract.
2: I, I think that there's a lot of this. These events were mostly true. Like uh, the, uh, I, I went over this with a fine-tooth comb for accuracy because a lot of it seemed less accurate than it turned out to actually be like, there were some things that were overstated, like his relationship with, uh, BB King and some things that happened, but not necessarily in the order that the movie suggested they did. So that was something I found interesting is that w- there were things that I thought were not accurate about this film and turned out to be. Hmm. Well, first off, I, it was
0: the first viewing for all of us, mm-hmm but, yes, mm-hmm. uh, I was unaware that it was Baz Luhrmann when I first got into it, because I really wasn't paying attention. And then after I had my seizure, I woke up and was like, oh, that's a Baz Luhrmann show.
2: See, and that's the thing is this has an interesting connection, because this this is a Baz Luhrmann house. Like, Sarah and I have two copies of Moulin Rouge. We each owned one before we got married. And the well, other... I, I will in, say that that's his best work. I will say that. That's fair. And I agree. Uh, the other interesting connection is that this film uh, may have almost screwed something up for me. Um, in, uh, <laughs> now we're getting divorced. <laughs> no, no, actually exactly the opposite. Uh, wow. in anticipation of this film, uh, well in a month, little over a month, Sarah and I are going to Las Vegas and we're talking about renewing our vows. And one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to do it at an Elvis church. We, uh, Our original wedding, there was nobody there and we're planning on doing kind of the same thing, except like we also had no pictures and we're just like, okay, we did a non-traditional wedding the first time. We could do a non-traditional, traditional traditional, (laughs) uh, vow renewal, but like this film came out and the Elvis estate wanted to capitalize. So they started suing and issuing cease and desist orders to Elvis chapels in Vegas. Oh no. There was since a a huge outcry over that, and they offered a licensing deal. They they they're like, okay, pay us. I mean, that's I could I could see that. That's that's fine. Like Elvis Presley Enterprises wants to capitalize in this moment. I get it. That's the world we live in. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't think you necessarily capitalize on this moment. It's just you're using the thing that we make money off of, you know, without paying. Yeah, yeah. It's it's literally Elvis's.
2: you know, the shtick. But if the timing if were- was not a coincidence, is my point. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. I mean, that that was the thing is it was they didn't say it, but they let this go on for years and years and years. Uh And then right before this film comes out, all of a sudden they got a problem with it. It could
1: just be a huge publicity stunt all around. Who knows? I mean, you never know anymore. Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't, you know, when, when stuff happens on coincidence like that, I'm like, yeah, I'm about to, th- 6040 believing it actually did happen that way. Right, because everybody
1: wa- knows how the how the news cycles work now, so everybody knows how to manipulate them. Right. Right.
0: I just I just want to ask if if you and Sarah are going to dress as Elvis and Priscilla when you get your vows renewed.
2: Uh, no, I'm not going to no. purchase and pack an uh, Elvis costume, but I assume the minister will be dressed as Elvis. Well, I mean, you could probably get one there. I mean. Yeah, you don't have to pack it. Yeah, that's I'm already going to have to buy a vape in Vegas that's going to be thrown out.
0: <laughs> Handed to a rando on the way out. But <laughs> hey, this is Done for you that. now. Uh, no, I while Baz Lorman, I do like Moulin Rouge. Um, he is definitely a a taste you kind of have to pick up on. I have a copy of Moulin Rouge. I got I watch it every now and then cuz I just love the sheer like ridiculous slapstickiness did, of it.
1: Yeah, I just don't think there's a whole lot of people uh, there's some, I'm I'm sure, but there's not a whole lot of people in the middle ground on him. You either seem That's to really really true. like him or really not like him.
2: Yeah. How about you, Joel? Do you are you going to put the light of that with a middling opinion on Baz Luhrmann?
3: Uh I I mean, yeah, I guess cuz I mean I've I've I remember when Romeo and Juliet came out, and I thought it was it was uh, interesting, and it, I was happy to see that that was done, because that got a lot of younger kids interested in Shakespeare. And I saw Moulin Rouge in the theater. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more when I saw it again. Uh, I saw it recently, and it I, I found a couple things that I found kind of strange now in my older age. But this, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate him, but I don't go out of my way to, to see his work. So yeah, I guess I'd put me somewhere in the
0: middle yeah i like them like i said i and if it like every now and then i'll put mulan on this one i kind of kind of shocked me at the start but eventually as i got a little bit more acclimated to the water so to speak um i started digging it
2: you know like you know what you're going to get with one of his films like as soon as this started i was like pat's gonna hate this (laughs)
3: well and i think that's one of the things that i've i found a little disheartening because uh, I, I haven't seen Gatsby. I didn't see uh showman. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen a movie of his recently as uh, than rewatching Moulin Rouge uh, about six months ago. Um, so I was hoping for some growth, some change, something different, but I felt like I was getting Moulin Rouge, but with actual people instead of a you know, fictitious story. Um, and so it felt a little recycled. Oh. I don't know.
2: British Lerman d- is not Bez Lerman. Yeah, I like, was gonna say. Oh, I Michael gotta, well, Sorry.
3: Pardon me. Sorry, I I retract my. You take I that back. I did stab you with my
0: Lerman.
1: I just don't think the style of of Lerman as a director is fitting for a biopic. I just I don't. It it it's too much stylistic. See, I think. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, hmm. focus, I guess. And, and See, there's here's a not thing enough. Though. Yeah, go ahead I'm sorry. i think
0: i think it fits with
1: elvis because uh, Elvis exactly is bigger than life make. yes i you know I, I, I yeah that's where i was trying to get was you know yeah. for-
0: elvis is turned up to 11 on everything and i think that's that fits with baz lorman's way of filming is that he shows elvis as this i don't say trope but larger than life all of his all of his um Uh, everything about his personality is like I said earlier, it's like the solarization is turned up to 20 so you've got this glowing vision of Elvis and like his mom, totally different in this one you know, it's like everybody's, whatever their root was, was amplified in this and I think this type of storytelling and this type of filming actually really did fit well with an Elvis story
1: So yeah, as I was trying to say (laughs) Sorry, sorry (laughs) You let me talk I did. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, anyway, so yeah. um, Like towards the beginning of the movie, it was, it was kind of funny. I was watching it, you know, with my mother because she's a big Elvis fan and it literally took her 20 minutes before she was like, I don't want to watch this. Nope. She noped out of it and just left oh, the room. Geez. She's like, I'm sorry. I got to go. I don't enjoy this. <clears throat> wow.
2: Uh,
1: And it was just, it, it, it was a little bit too much at the beginning too frenetic too everything, you know, and, but I will admit that, but you know, by the time it got down to his 1968 special and his time at the Hilton, or as they wanted to call it in the movie, the international um, guess they couldn't get the naming rights or whatever, or didn't care to Um, it actually kind of, you know, it, it flowed a lot better. His, his directing style fit a lot better for that stage of Elvis's life. I definitely agree with that. And so like the, the, like the second half of the movie I enjoyed much more than the first half. That's for sure.
3: Well, one of the things that I found interesting uh, was you know, Baz Lerman likes to kind of do the the Glee thing and mash up songs, and uh, I found that kind of problematic in this. Now, if if it was that he mashed it up with a a modern take on it, or uh, somebody who was influenced heavily by Elvis, and so therefore there was a connection, and I don't know, maybe that's what he did. For all I know, but I, I found that it it took away when you've got an artist that is got this huge catalog of great songs to then stick in a modern song or a, you know another song as a counterpoint or whatever, I found very distracting, which again, with Moulin Rouge works great. R- R- Romeo and Juliet works great with this. Again, real story. Why Tinker? I'm,
2: I'm going to push back kind of hard on that because this isn't necessarily for those of us who already respect Elvis. This is for the younger generation who don't know who the fuck he is. And he had this connection to black culture, and moving modern hip hop as a clear through line from Elvis, who loved that culture, to that culture's music of today, is to get that audience to un- help them understand why they should appreciate this guy.
0: Now, yeah, see, I'm with Joel on this one. I think it was it was jarring, took you out of the period. I think the that- point
2: is, is it's not for you. It's not <laughs> even for me.
1: But I, I, I liked it the one uh, one time when they when they cut to a hip hop song I I actually kind of enjoyed that I don't remember them doing it several different times I just remember one particular time.
0: No, know. I kind of I, I agree with Joel on this one. I think it was almost kind of um, a disrespectful to the original source material. Like if you're going to talk about how BB King influenced and how all these black artists influenced Elvis and also influenced the the movement of music across the years, play that music. You know, don't don't slip in something that they'll, you know, people are going to be like, oh yeah, that came out, you know, that was made for this movie or that came out last year or something like that. Play the music where that you're focusing on, play the music that was the root of where all that other stuff came from. That's, that's, what I, I mean, took on it, I think it was kind of jarring. To
1: Mike's point, I will say it—it it, it was a little bit odd to have BB King play such a prominent
2: part in the movie and not hear a single
1: BB King song. I will say that
2: was odd. <laughs> well, yeah. and that was a little one of the things that was historically inaccurate. While uh, Elvis did have a uh, big connection to black culture, he was an acquaintance of BB King's. Uh, right, and, and I'm, but I'm thing- just saying, like,
1: if you're gonna if you're gonna make the effort of putting BB King in that prominent
2: role, why are you not even gonna have him sing a single song? And I didn't want to jump down your throat and uh, uh, interrupt somebody again, but the uh, Hilton was called the International before it was renamed the Hilton. Is that that true? Oh, I didn't know that. Ah, I'm unaware of that. I mean, that thing is, I may not know Elvis as well as you do off the top, but remember I do deep dives before we do this. Good trivia. That's good.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I I didn't realize it. I thought it was just a naming rights thing. Interesting.
2: Well, and I think they referred to it as the International in the first one as well, which would have been a really weird coincidence. Yeah, they did.
1: Oh, I guess I didn't pick up on it in the first one.
2: Yeah, I oh, yeah. I didn't either. But it was a Hilton by the time he was done. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, interesting. 100%. And, and yeah. yeah, that was not reflected in the film. Uh, also, neither film uh, reflected the fact that uh, Elvis had uh, two relationships after Priscilla.
1: Mm-hmm. They kind of treated yeah. it like she, like she was the only woman of his life ever, you know.
2: Right. And he had a girlfriend and later a fiance.
3: Hmm.
1: And yeah, she was. Thought, she was the one that found him. Actually, found him dead in the in the bathroom. I
3: I did appreciate that they didn't show his actual death, or you know, get too deep into that time period when I, they have mentioned the weight and they show him sitting down in the limo, and you can tell that he's a little bigger. But they didn't, because that really could have gone sideways if it's not done right, um, and could have made it comical or offensive or just look bad in general. Uh, mm-hmm. So I. Did appreciate the fact that they kind of steered clear of that um, being a, a part of it at all, um, because that, yeah, that that could have proven uh, problematic.
2: Until that beautiful last shot where yep. uh, Elvis is so heavy, he's like sitting down at the piano and in the middle of the shot, it transitions from the actor playing Elvis to archive footage. Actual
3: Elvis, yeah.
2: I, I was floored by that, that- That was a beautiful shot, yeah.
3: I I definitely appreciated that uh, because it. it, I won't say it was seamless, but it was such a nice way to pay tribute to an amazing performance and you know close out the film in a very kind of I don't know. I I I appreciated that.
0: No, all in all, I was. I have to say, I was a lot more surprised on how much I enjoyed this one. Uh, Occasionally, some of the the playing off as if colonel was real real sinister in this one in fact he kind of i wrote it down he reminded me of have any of you guys seen the the miniseries legion the <laughs> nope. uh, x-men
2: i haven't gotten around to it it's on my
0: oh, list there's like a villain living inside legion's head who looks just like the colonel like the, with the big chin and the neck and all that it was kind of weird but uh he it initially i even wrote down that this seems like someone trying to convince us that the colonel wasn't as bad as he said he was.
2: Well, and then it's interesting because he's an unreliable narrator and he tells mm-hmm. you he's not the villain and then shows you that he is.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And what's I did cur- like that aspect of the, of the storytelling,
2: but you know, they, they did do it. I mean, they, they did
1: try to whitewash some of his shit, which I didn't appreciate. Right. I mean, That's
2: what I wanted to get into is like Tom Parker was a violent man, mm-hmm. like a physically would uh, like out of nowhere start wailing on somebody kind of guy. And you did not get that from this. Right. And there yeah. is a leading theory that one of the reasons why he fled his home country and changed his name is because he murdered a woman on his way out. Jesus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There were, there were all kinds of dark secrets that he had in his past that, that came Yikes. out after he died. And like one of the, you know, they, they whitewash over at one point when they talk about him getting him away from sun records. You know, you know the way he the way he got at him away from his writers and Sun Records, Sam Phillips, and everything was pretty fucking dirty. He he, he walked into the, his right you know, to his, the guys that were his songwriters, and, and with a piece of paper completely blank, and at the bottom was a line for his signature and their signature. And he's like, "This is your new contract." And they're like, "What are you talking about? We're not going to sign this." And he's like, "He's like, well, don't worry about it. I'm going to fill it all in later. Sign it, or we're done." And they're like, "Well, geez. we're not going to sign it." And he's like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm taking Elvis. Bye." Wow. Yeah. And when they and when they tried to you know to 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 stand up to him, he literally threatened to beat the shit out of them. He's like, "You got a problem with this? You know, I'm I'm gonna beat the shit out of both of you." And when they didn't fight him, he's like, "Okay,
2: well, I guess we're done here. He's mine now."
0: Never trust the guy who carries a cane all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, the other thing that like i uh, I know I've been praising this movie to the sun because I'm a fan of the director, but the other thing that uh they did kind of dirty was Hank Snow was not an old fuddy duddy who didn't like Elvis right that's, that's not true
1: yeah i didn't I didn't appreciate that either like sp- kind of spitting on Hank snow like he was just some kind of uh-huh. Hank snow was a is a, is a real legend
2: uh-huh yeah canadian American country legend so what so was Hank snow like all four Elvis, that sort of thing? He, he was uh, the guy that got Elvis onto the Grand Ole Opry.
0: Oh, so literally they played him in the opposite 100%. Yeah, uh, like, I,
2: I believe Hank Snow was the one that made the introduction to Tom Parker.
1: Huh. Oh, interesting. Nice.
0: Was,
2: I'm I mean,
1: trying to think if there was one other scene that I would, that they did with him that I didn't, uh, with Colonel, and I didn't appreciate it. I can't remember what it was.
0: Uh, I'm looking to see what I got on my notes.
1: But yeah, it's just, I mean, they, they did a good job of showing him as a shady guy, but they didn't do a very good job of showing him as a criminal.
2: Right. And some of the changes were made to serve the story because uh, they glossed over or uh, basically suggested that Elvis's 10 years of seclusion never happened, which is patently false. Mm-hmm. The yeah, way they told, lean her- over that. Yeah, the way they told it made for a more interesting traditional narrative, but, like, yeah, that's not quite the way it happened. Huh.
1: And I will, my, my last criticism is, uh, as as much as he did a good job in the performance and looking like him and everything, the one problem that I kind of had with him is as, as Elvis was pretty well vocalized by my mom, who basically said that, he, he looked a little. He looked a little too feminine to be Elvis. But Elvis uh, had a, a one of the qualities that she liked about Elvis was that even though he was pretty, he was also rugged and handsome at the same time. Hmm. And this guy was more just like, you know, like a, a, a pretty boy, effeminate type. And she's like, and he doesn't. He
2: doesn't give off any of the masculine vibes that Elvis gave off.
1: Yeah, I can see.
2: And that. she said he was too short. <laughs> that's that's a weird criticism for a film yeah
0: i mean
1: but those are just you know those are the criticisms from an actual elvis fan from back in the day so
0: i mean she used to date him so <laughs> wait huh no you didn't know that
1: a woman who actually cried when elvis died i mean she you know so.
2: yeah I'll, t- I'll take her uh take on it you know so. yeah I I am just, like I said at the top of the show, just glad to see we've got two portrayals that don't have the greatest selling solo artist of all time as a fucking joke. Right. Yeah. He was
1: was a guy that suffered from self-esteem issues. He refused to ever release a solo uh, or a single of of a song that he had written himself, except for gospel songs. He didn't have enough confidence in his own music writing ability. He would only do covers.
0: That's crazy. Yep. And Pat, did you at least enjoy the fact that they closed out within the ghetto.
1: Yeah. Right. I I definitely thought of you. And I was like, "Ah." (laughs) I mean, I definitely 100% enjoyed the music in this movie. Um, that I think that's Baz Luhrmann's strength, you know, like he, I mean, I think he should be a music video director or something like that, because the best parts of all his movies are always the musical numbers.
2: Mm hmm. And yeah. All three of the closing credit songs were good. The uh, Eminem uh, and CeeLo Green track where Eminem makes the connection between himself and Elvis. Uh, and then I'm a big fan of the Italian band uh, Manskin, and they did the final closing credit song. Uh, I knew about that, so I listened to all three.
1: Hmm. Yeah, see, I didn't know about those other two songs. I stopped. Manskin.
2: I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. It's M-A-N-E-S-K-I-N. Menskin.
3: Manskin.
2: But, yeah, they're an Italian band that is known for covers of songs that are a little obscure, and they covered one of Elvis's songs for the final closing credits song.
3: Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Maneskin. Well, speaking of Elvis songs, uh, I think we've mentioned this on a previous show. I feel like it's been done, but we should bring it back up again. Uh, What is your go-to favorite Elvis song? Since I feel like we're getting close to the end of things here.
1: Just the number one?
3: Yeah, like which one would be your like? If I'm going to pick one song out of his catalog, what's my, the one? My number I'd one
1: favorite Elvis song is is his latest flame.
2: Oh, it's, that's a different answer than you gave the last time this question was asked. No, it isn't. No, no, that's it's always a, my favorite. Everyone's is it? Song. Yeah, yeah.
0: the same song you said the other day. It's.
2: I could have. Sw- okay, I'm wrong. <laughs> I could have <laughs> sworn in the thread that you said something else. No. Yeah, no, you you totally said his latest flame. Um, I don't know. I mine's still "Suspicious Minds."
1: "Promised Land" is probably my number two song.
0: I like "Suspicious Minds" a lot, but if I'm going to go for like a hundred percent, get me in that. Like, if I don't know why I would ever need to be in the Elvis mood or like get that going, but something that huh? really gets me jamming is the "Viva Las
2: Vegas." That, that's my number three song. Yeah, I was. If nobody brought that up, I was going. to. <clears throat> you know what's worst? is that I call Patrick out and I'm looking at discord. I was thinking minus still, are you lonesome tonight? But I saw Joel's and I said, mine's still suspicious minds.
3: That's funny. Cause that, that I was going to say, I don't remember you, that being yours from the chat, but okay. It
2: isn't. I was looking at discord because I was going to fact check Pat <laughs> and accidentally <laughs> fuck myself up. You fact check yourself. Right?
3: Right into the glass. Uh, yeah, suspicious minds is mine. Um, if I was to go after that, I'd say probably the next one on my list, maybe like number two, would probably be jailhouse rock followed by hound dog, just because as a kid, jailhouse rock was like the one that I remember hearing the most. And hound dog, you know, what's not to oh, love? You know what I just thought of also? It's another
0: great, like, driving and singing song. What? No, a little less conversation.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's solid. Yeah. That's just. That one has the connection to the films, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I just, I just like the ones that when
0: you, I mean, you can do "Suspicious Minds" and all that. You could sing that, but like little less conversation. "Viva Las Vegas." Everybody puts on their Elvis voice for that one. Mm-hmm. That's just a fun song to sing along with.
2: And clam bake, of course.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
2: of course. No, of course. The Doctor's in Love of the Elvis catalog.
1: <laughs> clam bake, gonna have a clam bake. <laughs> well, all right. You want to. Thumbs Mama's up, little baby down. loves clam bake, clam
3: bake. Mama's little
1: baby loves clam bake. <laughs> what? Wait, that, what? thats in that song. As of, that? You, I love. He's I right. freaking love it. <laughs> You're correct, but at the
0: same time,
3: you... <laughs> Mama's right. little baby. Mama's gonna sing down. that. God, <laughs> damn it! Ah, uh, why did you put <laughs> that now in my gonna head? gonna have dreams. Ah, uh, I don't even like clams. Okay, what? Oh thumbs me? up, thumbs down, Joel. Yeah. Here uh, um. Do, 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 do. So for the original, I I hate to do it, but I'm going thumbs sideways, um, because I just Ooh. found it to be kind of mediocre, and um, I I gotta do it the same for for the new one. I just I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I just kind of was like, okay, that happened. There are good things and bad things. Okay. Don't need Patrick. to see either one again. Butterick.
1: Oh yeah, my turn. Hey, um, it's you. I will go uh, for the original. The combination of John Carpenter, Kurt Russell, and Elvis uh, pretty much makes it impossible for me to give it a thumbs down. I almost want to give it a thumb sideways like Joel, but I'm definitely. I think I'm going to go with a thumbs up, even though it's a little bit slow sometimes and campy and everything. It just, you know, I mean, come on. It's like I said, Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell, John Carpenter, Elvis. Elvis. Yeah, I mean, and then the, for the now. uh, you know, this is, I've, I, this is honestly like the first time in, in a while I've had to actually like think about whether I wanted to, what kind of thumb I wanted to give this. And I was like leaning towards the the thumb sideways on this one, but I'm going to, I'm going to commit myself and I'm going to, I'm I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Oh, let did go? Right. I'm not going to ever watch it again. And I'm not going to like, you know, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. And like, you know, like I said, it got better as it went, go, kept going. Uh, at the beginning after the first half hour, I was like, Oh, I'm, this is going to be miserable two and a half
2: hours.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But the music got better. The performance got better, you know, and, and as, as Elvis aged, you know, he looked a little bit more of the part and got more into it. So, you know, yeah, it got better. So I'll give it a thumbs up.
2: uh, Mine is not nearly as dramatic as the first two. Uh, I have a thumbs up maybe, uh, not super enthusiastic, but a solid thumbs up for the original, and a a big thumbs up for the second. Like it's not going to be my biggest Baz Luhrmann film. Um, I I still am probably going to keep Moulin Rouge ahead of it. I I might watch this again though. Like a pretty big thumbs up for uh, uh, the now. Yeah, and I'm given how did I describe it when
0: I was talking up to the girls? I was like, oh, the Malfoy thumbs up. You know that gift with Malfoy giving the nod. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, thumbs up thumbs up i enjoyed both of them i mean they both had their issues they both you know have their distinct styles depending on what what decade they were in but i give them both thumbs up
2: all right so if you have your own thoughts about uh anything elvis you think we left out like the uh documentaries frequently leave out of his life let us know give us a call 708 now rap that's 708-669-9727 Yep.
0: And if you're looking for a back catalog of shows, you can find them on your favorite podcast apps, such as Blueberry or Pandora. Give us a thumbs up, give us a review. And uh, if you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear about it. You can also find us on Apple and Google and Amazon podcasts. And if you like the show, share it out, send it on social media, send it to a friend, write down the URL and mail it to your grandma. We appreciate Wait, all that.
3: Why would you mail it to your grandmother? You
0: know, same reason she prints out the web pages and send them to me. You know, it's like, here, I saw this page. I thought of you. They print out the web page. Huh. You've never gotten a web page printed from somebody of the seventy age pers- <laughs> 70s? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for supporting the joke, Joel. Um, <laughs> you can also, that's why he's so uh, good at
1: improv, folks.
0: Yeah. Just,
1: he's, he's not yes uh, and he's like, wait, what?
0: <laughs> you can help us out by clicking the coffee link in the show notes and keep help us keep hosting costs at bay. Joel, it's what? your time. It is your time.
3: It's Stop talking 20- to me. Wait, what? All right. <laughs> it's my time. Oh yeah. Um, so October is upon us officially, as of uh, uh, Saturday. Saturday the first? No, Sunday. Yep. Wait, Saturday. Saturday's the first. Yeah. Yeah, Saturday's the first. Uh, so that means it's time to get into gear and get our spook on. So we're going to be talking about uh, the new Hocus Pocus, which, yeah. We're going to be talking about the very popular Dahmer that is on Netflix versus the um, Jeremy Renner star vehicle. We're going to be doing a deep dive on The Omen and When a Stranger Calls. Yeah, so a lot of horror and stuff coming
0: up. I'm curious <laughs> what this Dahmer, the Dahmer thing throws me on that. But.
3: Oh, man, I've already started watching it with Laura, and I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I'll be very curious to see what you guys think. Do they, they catch him. <laughs> i'm gonna wait and let you find out on your own it's a shocker
0: no spoilers on that one so but thank you very much for listening we will be back next week
2: 40 going on 14 has left the building
3: I know we have dog school starting again in a couple of weeks, but I think that's on... I didn't know you are going to be a dog. On Tuesday <laughs> and like six o'clock, so it should still be fine even if it...
2: It takes it a master's, so it's going to be a while. <laughs>